Welcome to Bitpicking, a podcast about software engineering. I'm Greg. I'm Mark. Hi, Mark. Hello, Greg. No Laura today. No. Hello, Laura. Wherever you may be. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Laura. Um, Laura, unfortunately, can't join us today, so it's just Mark and I. Back to the uh, Series 1 traditional. old school. Yeah. <laughs> um, today, we're going to talk about TDD um, and how can you implement it within your team. We haven't thought about our three <laughs> questions, have we? No. Because <laughs> I... So Greg, one thing we haven't talked about, I don't think, really on this podcast until now, is test-driven development. Which that is, is quite surprising, isn't it? It's interesting because um, uh, we have done it both uh, very heavily in the past. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to say we share a view on it, but I'm not actually sure. Well, no, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think here's the chance for us to have that <laughs> that scrap, right? So. Uh, you know, my hypothesis, I guess my my default position to start out is uh, I've done test room development for uh, about 12 years now. Uh, and for me, it's a practice that I can't live without. I find it very difficult to write code without doing test, doing it in a test room way. I feel very nervous if I'm writing code that doesn't have tests. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm quite often proven right. To be nervous about writing code maybe it's because i'm a bad coder uh, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore i make a lot of mistakes or um uh, i suppose you know the, the one way you can think about it is uh if you're wearing a motorcycle helmet are you more likely to uh you know forget to do other basic diligence when you're riding your motorbike oh, like, interesting, you know, yeah. looking out for things yeah. so so maybe that it's the fact that i've I'm doing test-driven development that makes it harder for me to do without test-driven yeah. development. Mm. Do you think it's worth, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, talking about what I mean by test-driven development? Because, Probably. Because that's that's actually a, a slightly, uh, not controversial, but often misunderstood thing, I think. Uh, especially when we've interviewed people in the past and asked them about test-driven development. Yeah, you do get a variety of answers. So for me, test-driven development is uh, before I write my production code, I write a test. I write one test. I don't write a whole suite of tests. Mm -hmm. uh, I write one test that specifies uh, exactly how I want the code to behave before I've written the code. And so the very first thing that will happen is that test won't compile because the method won't be there on the, the class that, yeah. um, that I'm testing. Uh, and so uh, in test-driven development, we consider that a failing test if it doesn't compile. So the very first thing I do is to add that method. I don't add any code to the method. I just add the method signature into the class. I make it compile. And then I add assertions as to what this thing should do. Uh, and then I fill out the code in order to make that happen. Yeah. So uh, it's very small type feedback loops. Um, I'm hopping very quickly between changing or extending the test uh, and writing code in my in my class yeah. all the while trying to write the simplest code that I can to make that that test pass uh, and we talk about the red green refactor cycle so I have a failing test I make it go green I make it pass and then I'm free to refactor my code simplify it 
make it better in some way, but not adding new functionality hmm. just by changing the code that's there to still do the same thing. Uh, and then when I'm happy with that, I go and add another test. Repeat the cycle. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Um, Is that what you do? It's what I try and do. It's what I try and do. Honestly? Um, yeah, honestly. Okay. Honestly. Um, I do uh, I do find it, uh, it helps me enormously in thinking about what it is that I need the code to do. Yeah. It's all too easy if you don't have tests to just start hacking away uh, and you don't necessarily admit to yourself that you don't really know what you're trying to, <laughs> yeah. to do. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes, I mean, you know, the, 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 um, the time that I don't write code, uh, write tests, is when I'm not clear about what it is. And, I'm, you know, so I will sometimes, particularly at the start of a project. Yeah, like spike something up. Spike something up, start throwing code together. Uh, what's, um, uh, what can be difficult is knowing when to flip from one yeah, right, exactly. When to, to the yeah, stop pissing around and say, right, now I've got an idea. Yeah. So let's do this yeah. that and, way. And before you know it. I mean, because the reason, cause the reason I, I'd say, do you do it, is what I found when trying to um, describe test-driven development to developers is that they can't always get over the the how tiny it is at the beginning. You know, like you described, okay, you write a test and the test does nothing, but it fails. Mm -hmm. Then you write the class and the class does nothing, but the test passes. Yeah. Then you write some assertions. You know, and these are tiny things in, you know, in the order of minutes, aren't they, rather yes. than um, anything bigger. And I think I think that most developers I've seen who aren't used to that, um, they find that wasteful. Mm -hmm. And they think, well, I know what it's got to do. Yes. So I'm just going to do that. So where where do you sit on that? You know, when is it appropriate to sort of jump ahead? Because I, cause I bet you do. Go on. Yeah, so it, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you do find yourself suddenly like inspiration strikes. You start throwing code in there uh, and uh, you kind of almost can't stop yourself from, from adding new features. And then you realise that you haven't tested it. And actually, uh, um, a lot of the battle... Uh, in talking with developers about introducing test driven development, um, a lot of the battle is when people haven't got tests uh, and they have to then add tests to code they've already written without those yeah, tests, yeah, yeah. Uh, becomes very, very difficult. Uh, and therefore, it is a slow and painful process. And therefore, it is very hard to see the value mm. uh, in doing test driven development. Um, I think a lot of that is is just habits, though. Because... Um, I mean, jumping ahead on that topic a bit, there's always that debate about whether you go back and add tests for the code you haven't tested. Um, and whenever I've been in that situation with a project, I've always said, well, let's just, moving forward, at least start writing tests for anything new we do. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, that's never really taken off either. Yeah. And I've always thought, well, why is that difficult? You know, if we go through the theory like you've just described and everybody subscribes to it, why then... Does it not just just happen, you yeah. know, with my inverted um, fingers? Um, and I can only put it down to habit that if you don't, you know, that whole thing about you need to do something for 50,000 hours or something before. Oh, no, that's yeah. it. That's when you become an expert. What's the habit thing? You've had to do it for 21 days mm -hmm. straight, I think. And then it becomes habitual. That's some urban <laughs> legend I heard, you know. <laughs> So if you go running 21... I was going to make a terrible joke about that, but let's, let's move on. <laughs> Knowing your sense of humour, yes, let's move on. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it's breaking the habit. I mean, I've never found a developer yet who says, I don't believe in test-driven development. Have you? I, I found plenty that don't do it, but I've never heard someone who says, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, oh, I've, I think I've met some doubters. Really? Yeah, yeah. And what's their argument for the quality then? Famously, I think, um, uh, was it David Hammeyer Hansen, who was the, the author of Rails? That's uh, right, ended yes. Ended up in a, in, a, in a big argument with possibly Kent Beck, yeah. I can't remember, um, about the fact that he didn't believe in, in test-driven development. And so what was his argument about quality then? Or, or, or I mean, it's not <laughs> just quality, is I it? It's, it's, I, I, I can literally only recall the fact they had the conversation, they had the conversation not, not the it. details okay. of, uh, of what that was. Because I always like, I'm always, not always, I'm sometimes a little bit smug when you, you're, you're sort of in the cultural shift of introducing test-driven development and then a regression comes up, like a bug appears. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of there thinking, hmm, yesterday we spoke about how you can prevent this. Yeah. And today right. this yeah, has happened. Yeah, yeah. So is anyone else connecting the dots? Yeah. Um, but it's also about emergent design, isn't it? That's the other bit you described. It's not just about quality. Yeah, it's about, yeah. and that's, that, that for me is just as important, yeah. is, is how it helps you keep your code clean. What I do worry about, and I think a, a criticism that would get leveled particularly at me, I think, <laughs> is that you can quite often get too caught up in refactoring your code, trying to make it nice and you know highly cohesive, right, okay. loosely coupled, yeah, yeah. all those kind of things. And and um, you know what happens to me quite a lot uh, is that I, in trying to make a change, I spend a long time preparing the code to make the change. Uh, there's okay, a there's yeah. a you know there's a uh, there's a phrase um that gets used which is uh, uh make the change easy and then make the easy change so you, okay, can, yeah, you yeah. put the groundwork in into getting the code into the shape that you need it to be such that when you come to make the the change that you need to make it's as easy as, as it can be yeah. and i think i quite often fall into that trap of i'm just going to refactor this thing a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. to get it into the yeah. into the right shape yeah, when when do you stop? Yeah, I mean, but because I I work uh, now with a team who have got a very large application, a Java application, which has uh, no tests really, right? I mean, it, I think maybe some people over the years have written, you know, maybe four or five test classes, you know, yeah. but there's thousands of of classes in this thing. Um, so and they don't run the tests on the build server anyway. Right? Well, yeah, I, was, I, I keep finding I made a little mental skip note test flag, that, yeah. uh, uh, you know, set on the on the build server, um, and yet they seem quite happy to dive into this code base and just make changes <laughs> here and there. Whereas I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm terrified, yeah. and I, I wonder whether that's a, like is there a problem on my part that I'm terrified to touch it because I can't. You know, having made a change, I can't have confidence that I haven't broken anything. Hmm. Anything else? Um, no, I don't think it is. I think the trouble is that there's this like bravado, isn't there, of that that you're doing a good job if you can jump in on the code and make changes. And I think that's how people think you're meant to act. And because um, I've seen this in sort of other topics, like not writing code, that showing a bit of doubt is seen as a bit of um, like it's not good well if you show a bit of doubt then that means you must not know what you're doing right whereas yeah. i think the opposite is actually true and so in that 
instance there, you're saying, well, I, you know, I, well, I might not be right. I might break mm. something, which is exactly the behaviour you do want. But I think people um, sort of innately think that if you show that, then then you don't know what you're doing and therefore you're more likely to screw it up. Yeah. Whereas the reverse is true. The people that pretend that they know what they're doing, yeah. they're more yeah. likely to screw it up. So no, I think I think um, I don't think you're the wrong one, personally. So let's talk about your approach. Like you, and I know you're maybe not as hands-on a developer as as I am or or have been. But you know, you were in a team doing test-driven development. You know, what was your when you first came to it? What was your feeling about it? Well, that's all I ever learned. So um, when I when I became a developer, I joined a team where that was a, a very strong ethos that you do test-driven development. So in a way, that's all I know. Um, and therefore, I find it quite surprising when I'm in situations where there aren't tests. But I will be honest, from a practical level, um, I'm not inclined to do the setup. So when it's all set up, ready to go, right? Yeah. then I'm like, I'm well up for it. But if it was a personal project or, you know, an existing project and I had to then sort of, uh, you know, re reorganize the code in order to allow for tests or whatever, if I was honest, I, I tend not to be too enthusiastic about that. Yeah. You know? And it can be really painful, actually. And I think that's a, that's a downside. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of people's experience, like I said, is when they come to, they've been told they've got to write tests. Um, and now they're coming to it on a code base, a potentially a legacy code base that's not been written to accommodate tests. And they've got to figure out how to get the system just working in a way that you can write tests. You mm -hmm. know? Um, and things like, um, I mean, I've been doing some work with, with Spring recently in Spring Boot, and there's there's a lot of work in that that's like, they seem to want to try and make it easy. Right. But actually, it's also sort of overcooking it a bit. There's a lot of annotations you can <laughs> uh, stick on right, your test okay. class in order to get it to load a test context and that kind of right, thing. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and I come from an old school uh, uh, test-driven background, I think, which is where you're just trying to, you're trying to make it as plain as you can. Hmm. If you're having to rely on uh, you know, the framework and annotations to load test classes, you're going to make your tests slow. Uh, you're probably going to make them a bit fragile. You're going to make them quite complicated to understand, mm. to just to be able to reason about what the tests also, are actually doing. Also, I suppose at that point, you're not even then thinking about the problem you're trying to solve. No, you're, you're just, just thinking to... about how to configure the code. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. then someone's breathing down your neck to get the thing done. And yeah. so, okay, well, what will, what will I drop? Well, yeah, I'll yeah. drop the tests. I'll drop the tests. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've long had this view that I talk about whenever I get the opportunity that there is a class of developer that tries to do everything but write code. <laughs> um, and actually looking at, uh, in this topic, I remember looking at Sonar Cube. Yep. Um, and um, this an, an ordinate amount of time spent in one of the teams I led just getting that set up. Right. Versus doing something very simple. I mean, it's almost like the same pattern, isn't it? It's Just like, explain Sonocube for people who might not be. I'm not familiar. sure I can. Okay. Because I got so frustrated with it. I was like, it's taken longer than I thought. Let's just drop it. Right. But I guess it's, um, it's um, uh, well, I don't, I, do you know, I'd call I can't, it code quality. It's yeah, a, it's a code quality tool. I was yeah. trying to describe it in practical terms, but 
my understanding is it's a server application that you point at your repo and then it will um, scan and tell yeah. you what your code coverage is. Yeah. And then you can also put your builds in there so it will say, you know, how many tests passed and didn't pass and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I've never actually used it because although we identified it as something that might help us. So the original problem was we don't have any tests. Let's start writing tests. And then let's have a figure that we just expose so that at least we can see whether we're trending up or trending down. Yeah. And then that led into how are we going to do that? Oh, Jenkins, you know, we can't do it in Jenkins. We can't do it in this. Oh, Sony Cube, that looks great. And then I think there's a commercial model behind it. So if you wanted to do the analysis on C code, it was free, but we right. were a Swift app. So you had to buy the Swift plugin. Okay. So right. now we're back in, you know, like trying to get sign off for all of that. I mean, yeah. it was just, and in the end, it just didn't take off. Yeah. So we spent months talking about it, investigating it, didn't write a single bloody test. <laughs> <laughs> so and that and is that is the problem, isn't it? Like if you, you you step further and further away from actually solving the problem that you yeah. you're looking to to solve. And it can be and this is what I try and impress on people is test driven and writing tests can be really simple. Like and I also firmly believe that once you uh, once you get good at it and it is a skill and it takes and you know it, it takes a while to learn these things but you can then get into uh, a really good flow of writing a test writing code writing a test and you come out of it you know not only do i think it probably ends up quicker um uh in the first place anyway because you're much more focused on what you're you're trying to do um but you've then got a raft of tests that yeah, the, the test it and, and stick with it. And, and what I like is that you feel like you've made progress. Yeah, you know, like, like, um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole other topic about you know the simplest thing that could possibly work and small steps and all that kind of stuff. But just from a you know, like you know a to do list perspective and feeling like you're making progress, when you break it down into the small chunks, which you have to do in order to do effective test driven development. After a period of time, whether it's an hour or two hours or a week, you can feel like, right, well, I've done something. I've, I've moved forward. Yeah. And whether it's as far as you wanted to move or whatever, I don't really care. But, you know, which you, I don't think you get if you don't do that because you could end up just poking around doing all sorts of things. And it's like, you know, is any of this getting me closer to where I want to be? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think for me, that's one of the things I liked about it, like thinking back. So I will be honest, I don't do it. Yeah. Well, I don't code enough at the moment, but when I do, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I do remember thinking, right, well, at least I feel like I've made progress. Right. You know. Yeah. But, um, it, but, but yeah, there, there is another side to that, which is, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't always feel like that. And a, a good example, um, a side project that I'm working on with some other people, and I'm writing tests very diligently. They're not. Okay. Um, or the other main contributor isn't. Um and and actually now that I'm I'm starting to change things that he's changed and so I'm like if I'm going to change it I'm going to write a test, a test for yeah, it yeah. so I'm writing tests around the code um, and uh, and I'm now having to fix a bunch of things you know you go this doesn't work or, or it does work but now I see this it highlights this other issue that now I have to go and solve and so I've, I've ended up whilst I've got one thing that I'm trying to implement Again, talking about you know make the change easier, then make the easy change. I'm having to go and fix um, okay. a bunch of other yeah, stuff yeah, because sure. now I've seen it and I can't just leave it. You know that way. Some things that are like inconsistent in the way they handle nulls or those kind of things, and, <laughs> okay. and the tests have highlighted this. And then, like whilst it's not strictly wrong, it also makes it very difficult. You know, or you can see how it's laying a trap for yeah. 
things to go wrong in the, in the future. Interestingly, I also, you know, actually the first bit of code that I wrote a test around, I discovered three bugs in the te- in the in the code right? <laughs> uh, almost straight away. Um, however, at the same time, he's pushing code out much faster than than I am, and so uh, undoubtedly, like, where, you know, yeah. where's where's the where's the trade off line? Because actually, a lot of his code um, does work <coughs> um, and works absolutely fine. Well, that's always been the so, trouble, hasn't it? That yeah. if somebody is able to write good code, which you know quite a few people are, then why should they test? Well, not why should they? That's not the right question. But you're right. What's the benefit then of that? Yeah. You know, um, but then there's that sort of statement about, oh, well, it's not for now. It's for future me. Because there's also the documentation angle, isn't there? That, yeah. That your tests are describing what the code should yeah. be doing. And I've certainly had that debate with a lot of people, but around documentation, um, you know, about, oh, well, we should write documentation about this. And then I've always pitched, you know, the... Um, well, the code should be clear enough that you don't need the documentation. Yeah. And certainly the test is part of that because the test is where you can be like really verbose and, yeah. you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, not quite sure where I was going with that. I've <laughs> 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 to say that's another angle on test-driven development, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That you end up with this sort of yeah. documented code. So when, oh, that's right, I was talking about future me. So the, so the difference yeah. will be in your future me, I suppose you don't have to worry too as much about whether you know what's going on, yeah. Because you've got the safety of the test to remind you. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the other fella, you know, will he remember why he did that yeah. thing yeah. in the future to not break it? And it's a really good point because whenever I talk with people about test and development, uh, the the key message that I try and give them is: you're not doing this for other people. Don't do this because I've told you to do it. You know, you're not doing this to tick a box for management because that quite often happens. Yeah, yeah. Management have now said we have to write tests. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll write a test, <laughs> and it's a pretty half-hearted effort. Um, you know, I'm saying this is for you, like this is for your own personal happiness yeah. uh, and and um, confidence that when you come, you know, a once you've delivered this code that it works, and b uh, when you come back to it again in the future, you can change it. And you know that you're should, not. Should we do some role play? <laughs> okay. Because boss mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly happy not doing that. So if it's for me, it's my choice, and I choose not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you say, yeah. "Well, now I'm going to mandate that you do it." And then I say, "Well, I'm only doing it because." Yeah. Mark told me to. What is this? Uh, no. <laughs> and the loop continues. And I don't. And I, I've. I mean, I've, I personally have never mandated that people write tests. Um, because I think it has to be a, and this is this start sounding hippie now, but it, ha- it has to be a personal journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to discover it for yourself. I've, yeah. I've, to really be effective at it, you've got you've got to, you know, and hopefully by sitting down and pairing with people and trying to go through, you know, what that flow looks like. Because a lot of people, you know, touched on what we talked about earlier, in their heads, you know, writing a test is well. Now I've got to spend the next. Uh, two hours writing this test yeah, yeah. and again it's like things like spring don't necessarily help in this you know and I've seen people who are beginners to 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 writing tests come and say I've written my first test and it's a you know 200 line behemoth that sets up mocks uh, and application <laughs> context and and you know and and does all of these things I'm like well okay strictly it's it's the test but you yeah. know you you know, the other key part uh, 
of the skill is understanding when it's just getting too complicated and, and that feedback that you get it's like well this is really hard to test now because now i'm having to mock out 15 different uh, 15 different things yeah um and it, it it's not always easy to to have that intuition as to is this just too complicated now to for me to mm. to test you know, i've literally had a conversation with someone last week about well okay to you're having to mock out um, you know, seven different things to pass into this test. Seven's probably too many. And they're like, well, how much? Like, what? what's the number? Yeah. Is it four? Is it five? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. But look at these things here and just make a decision about whether maybe those two things are actually... It's like you said, though, yeah, object. it is a personal journey because if because you want somebody to feel uncomfortable mm. at that point. And, and so rather than say well, what is the number? They say, yeah, I, th- I think I understand. Yeah, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is slightly tangential, but I'm increasing of the opinion that um, in order to get these sort of things done, because you mentioned it there, like you, you sort of need to do pair programming because the yeah. lecture approach of, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a lecture per se, but you know, sort of saying this is how we do things or this is how we should do things or, I mean, even not that, just here's an idea, will it work for us? It just doesn't, in my experience, it doesn't seem to bed in. But whenever I've been in a, in a team where pairing has been there, then it 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 always, like, sticks. Yes. Because, like, the team yeah. I'm, I'm leading at the moment, there's no test at all. Um, that's not true. There are some tests, but not in the way we're describing so I actually went through, and even though I, it's a PHP application, I never really developed in PHP. I thought, well, I'm going to show them, and so, um, and I remember asking for your mm-hmm. help on this a little bit. I'm going to show them how to do testing in PHP, and I had the whole thing about well, how do you set it all up and that kind of stuff, and and I got that going, and I showed them, and that was probably two months ago. And in the meeting, everybody was like, "Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, I can totally see the benefit." Have we done that? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and I actually think, like, on the grand scheme of things, actually, testing PHP is pretty trivial, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you just have this sort of library that you just load and there it is for you. So, um, and our application was easy to test. So, I'm just thinking, why didn't we do that? And I think if we've been able to follow up that, you know, ha- the topic's been raised, should we do test driven development? Somebody goes off and investigates it, comes back and presents to the rest of the team, okay, well, this is what it is if we want to do it we then agree to do it, then if you had the pair programming to make sure people were doing it, I mean, that's, that's even the wrong words, isn't it? But yeah. the peer pressure... Yes, right, yeah. Then I, I bet we would have stuck now. Yeah. So no, I agree. I, th- I think the two things go hand in hand extremely well. And I think, as you say, maybe even um, necessary in order to, to sow that culture and just the education about how to, how to do it. Because you can't just say, we're writing tests now. And expect yeah. everyone to know how to do it. There's some very specific uh, practices and skills that you need to learn in order to really make the most of, te- of test-driven development. Uh, yeah. And you can't really expect people just to to know it. They have to live it and learn it on real code. And again, you know, it's also getting people to sit down and just watch videos on YouTube or whatever is also not really going to no, say that you yeah, have to so. tackle the problems yourself as you come across them and mm. you know and whilst it can give you hints as to how you solve those problems you know i think you have to to go on that 
go on that journey. I think there's a lot of things like that where, if, where when you're pairing, but maybe it's not the pairing. Maybe it's because you have to have someone in the team that really believes it. Hmm. So, you know, like once you become a manager, I mean, certainly like in my position, it's it's very easy for me to say these things and even coach on them. But the reality is, day to day, I'm not around. Yeah, you know, to do it. So I feel like. What I really need, if I want this to stick, is to have people on the team who do, and yeah. whether they're pairing or not. At least then there's that daily kind of, you know. I mean, we don't do pull requests um, at the moment either, so everyone's just committing into um, trunk or master. And part of me is like, well, that's where I want to be. Yes. Like that, if that's how I would be, yeah. given test-driven development and other things. Right. Yeah. But without that, I actually now feel like well, maybe things should go through PRs so that at least there's some checks and right. some knowledge sharing and all yeah, those other yeah. stuff. So that's a bit of a conflict as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit meandering, but I'm starting to think that pair programming is is the root of all success. The other <laughs> side, if you're trying to get adoption on test and development is how do you really demonstrate the value because it is in the short term it is a cost yes yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like you have to there has to be a period of time over which the the value becomes apparent which is mostly when you come back to that code say a year later and you need to change it and you can just change it and run the tests and feel very confident mm. uh, that you've done the right thing or that you haven't broken anything rather than in the here and now yeah um although i mean i would argue if you're doing it in the right way there is there is a lot of value in in that i've definitely seen a lot of value in uh using tests to to hunt down production bugs yeah um is really key you know quite often there's some bug occurs and you know, people are trying to recreate it they go away and they spin up a whole nother instance of the, the server <laughs> yeah, somewhere and then yeah, they're yeah. trying to figure out which request you know but if you can nail it down and get it into a here is a test the smallest test I can write that actually recreates this mm. this bug that's a very satisfying thing and you know it helps you solve that very quickly much more quickly than I spin up the server I see if I can recreate it I bring the server down I make a change you know yeah, trying yeah. to add some add some log statements <laughs> spin it up again <laughs> try it again you know and it's a very yeah. slow cycle whereas with tests you can run them really quickly you know that cycle because i mean i did it today i was kind of found myself i was making a change and i didn't have a um uh i didn't have a unit test for for that specific um thing that i was i was looking at and i was spinning up a server making a change you know or trying to trying to recreate it um and i was like why don't i just write a test for this yeah right and and it took a little while to to find the test that actually recreated the behavior that i that i wanted um but once you had it it was extremely easy to then just you, you can literally have the have the tests you know i use um jest in javascript you can have it running in watch mode so every time you hit save on your file the right, test yeah, runs, yeah, yeah, sure. bing, broken, broken, broken. Ah, green. We can now happily check into to master and feel confident that everything still works mm. and we can release quicker. And it, like it, for me, it just feels like an underpinning of 
you know, everything we talk about with continuous delivery and continuous integration and DevOps, this is what you this have to do. Is, yeah, yeah. Like, this really is what you have yeah. to do. And, and I, but I also think I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that the majority of development teams don't do it and are therefore holding themselves back. From- well, in, well, in my grand experience of four teams, only one of them did test-driven development. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. In my experience, yeah, um, that's correct. And I mean, do you think I, I've known developers who do? Uh, you did sort of allude to this earlier, but they, there is a badge of honour for not writing tests. I, I can just hack this code together and get it out the door. I definitely. I, I think I've, that's a terrible thing, personally. Yeah, I've no, I've never. I don't think I've met a developer like that. Um, but I've certainly met. Well, you know, most team cultures that I've encountered are that that it's better to get something done quickly than it is to do. I mean, it's, it's, all the words are wrong, aren't they? But to do it right, yeah. You know, I'm not suggesting that if they do something quickly, they're not doing it right. But there's definitely a preference to time, and therefore this whole idea that doing TDD slows you down makes it, you know, harder to instill it. And I've always wondered where that comes from as well. Because I've certainly never been in a team where people are measured on lines of code or time for delivery. And no one I've ever, you know, led myself or been a part of a team has ever been fired for anything remotely close to that topic. Yeah. And yet there's always this culture that, oh, well, no, we, we just don't have time to do that. Yeah. We've just got to get this stuff done and we've got to yeah. get it done quickly. Yeah. You know, and if you argue against that, you're the heretic. Is that yeah. the right word, heretic? But yeah. You know, and I'm like, but it's just the cost of being a, of doing development. Yeah. You know, so when I ask you how long something's going to take, which I try not to do anyway, but if I do, I want you to give me an answer which covers all of these things. Yeah. And then that's the cost of it. You know. Yeah. And I, and I've, but people think they, that the answer they have to give has to be the shortest amount of time. Yeah. Why? But there, there is also, uh, I think that danger of some of it is investment time investment that you make uh, assuming that you're going to for instance in the future have to change this code and maybe you're not and if you so therefore if you write tests now and you don't go back and make changes to that code later have you just invested a ton of time that you didn't you didn't need to invest that's that's an interesting thought because i've only ever worked in in what i would describe as product-based teams so the the idea that you don't go back to your code in the future is i mean that's foreign yeah. to me because that's yeah. that is almost half the job if not more yeah. because you're constantly evolving yeah but you're right if you were in what i would describe as an agency model and you've got a project which is of finite time yeah and you don't know whether it's going to carry on after that time yeah that's that's interesting maybe I'm, that's I, it I, i'm willing to bet there's no triple a games that have, have tests <laughs> really yeah yeah god i couldn't even imagine the uh particularly on the functional tests the amount of um setup for that to make sure something visually yeah looks right. the way yeah, that yeah, you wanted yeah. it to that so must be it, crazy. it wouldn't have it I'd, I'd be amazed if there were any you know kind of big games that that, that had any yeah. well as any a casual reddit on. user every so often a game gets released and reddit blows up because it's so buggy and there's right. like a zero day patch or whatever that's yeah. 12 gigs yeah. and you know all that kind of stuff so 
So it must be happening quite but frequently. Also, I mean, there is a there is a whole class of errors that um, that TDD just doesn't really catch. You know, there are still bugs in my software um, because you know things like, for example, uh, just thinking in the last couple of days, I've had issues with database transactions. I've had issues with dependency injection. Um, you know, all of which were, were not at all apparent <laughs> from the test. But yeah. then you actually deploy it to a server and suddenly it goes bang. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, the worst thing being that those are probably also the most impactful right. <laughs> yeah. types of issues. <laughs> you know, if it was just, oh, this thing doesn't, you know, this number is wrong in the database, um, is you know, bad, but probably not as bad as bang, the application has just crashed, you know, and <laughs> right, the, the yeah, user yeah. is now just getting a 500 error saying, saying it doesn't work. Yeah. So this goes back to my motorcycle helmet analogy, which is, well, is the problem that because because I put so much faith in my tests, uh, it's not unusual for me to simply run the test suite. And if it, and if it goes green, I check it in. And so I'm not, for example, spinning up the server on my laptop to actually... You know, I, test you know manually test the feature right. that I've that I've added I don't I mean that definitely happens quite frequently I don't know if that's um, as a result of you know sort of doing TDD meaning that you you have an overconfidence in the code I don't know but you, do, you certainly see that quite a lot well at least I do mm. and I do it myself I'm not trying to take myself out of the bracket where you just you just assume that your code is going to be okay and so quite often you don't look at it yeah I mean, as I've been in situations where the code doesn't even compile. So there's been commits and the code doesn't even compile. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, well, how do, <laughs> I mean, it seems bonkers, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Then, but then what you're sort of describing then, then there's a stage ahead, which is, well, maybe it compiles, but it doesn't, you know, it blows up halfway yeah. through some execution of something. Um, or it just doesn't do what the user expected. I mean, certainly from where I am in my career now, that that's they're the things that bother me the most, you know, like, well, it might compile and it might run through without error, but it doesn't do the thing right. that it was meant to do, yeah, yeah. you know, um, which I suppose leads us on to the different types of tests. And I think that's a thing that also is complicated and therefore makes people feel a little bit like, oh, this is too complicated. I just can't be bothered because yeah. it's, you know, what's what's the difference between a unit test and a functional test and yes. an end user test and yes. a user acceptance test and who should be writing them because I've got a test team. So what tests do they write? Yes. You know, and, and if you go down that path and that's a whole other set of frameworks, you know, that complicate things. Um, but certainly from where I am, it's the, the tests I, I sort of get most most interested in are the user. Yeah. The user facing tests. Yeah. So if you click this button, this thing occurs, you know. Um, but I think, I mean, you tell me because I've been out of it too long, but they tend to be the harder ones to... Oh, yeah, definitely. ...to wire up, aren't they? Yes, yeah. yeah. And there, I mean, I, I see that, you know, that issue of like, well, I'm the developer, I shouldn't have to write, for example, a Selenium tests that are going and clicking through the through the UI. Those are for the test team to... <laughs> right, to yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, actually, some directly relevant experience. Um, one of the things I wanted to do... Uh, with this team I'm working with now is is uh, they've got uh, so we we hired a bunch of people to come and write um, UI tests, Selenium level tests. We're trying to get the developers to write unit tests, um, but for the legacy code that's so difficult, you know that 
it's not really fair to ask them to to try and unit test that existing code. Okay. So what I wanted was actually these kind of what you'd call API integration service level tests, if you like, okay. that are yeah, not yeah. going through the UI. They're hitting the API on the back end, but they're not unit tests. They're kind of black box. Right. Okay. Make this HTTP request. You know, yeah, get yeah. something back out. With the aim being that these were develop. They were still developer level tests. So they were going to be written in code. You know, in, in Java or using um, you know, a framework like Rest Assured or, or even something like Postman, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. actually write some automated tests. Um, it was so difficult to get people to grasp the idea of oh, really? what these were and who should write them and, and who owned them. Oh, and okay. you know, the fact that I didn't want it, this wasn't now another team, this was going to be developers writing. You know, if we were going to hire, we didn't have the experience in house. Um, so we were going to hire people who could write these tests, but but as part of the development team. But it was so difficult to to get either the team internally or vendors that we approached about you know giving us expertise that we ended up just actually saying we're not ready to do this yet <laughs> okay. because we couldn't you know it was it was either well I can give you someone to write some unit tests or I can give you someone to write some some UI tests, you know, but uh, yeah, the questions that we could just never really solve the, get the right level and the question of ownership um, was a really difficult one. So we sort of said, oh, well, well, just we just won't, we just won't bother. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still entirely necessary, but I could just see it ending up just being a lot of time and money uh, and not really getting the, the yeah, right result yeah. unless, unless, you know, unless um, it was more about, I think the internal buy-in which is if I couldn't get people internally to understand what this was going to do and the benefits it was going to bring, then it felt like it was going to be yeah. a, a big sink of, of, of time and money to, to get it done. I was just thinking then when you were describing that, like you're trying to get testers onto lowercase t, testers onto the dev team, lowercase d, which is the, the whole multifunctional or cross-functional mm. team thing. And I was just thinking that back to what I just said about pair programming. And it, it does sort of feel like if you don't have all the pieces sometimes, none of them work, right. i.e. XP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you're not doing yeah. XP, yeah. like not to the letter, but you know what I mean? If you're not following the whole concept of XP yes. and you're only taking a little bit of it, yeah. it, it doesn't it's work. Yeah, you need to yeah. do the whole lot in order to get the overall benefits. Yeah. Are we, are we biased though in that do you think well i did i'd say we seem to come to that conclusion a lot well i, I did say that's that's all i know you know that the, yeah. that team was a very strong xp driven team so that is all i personally know yeah you know but it was also very successful yeah so i mean it's quite hard to think that it wouldn't work elsewhere when i've seen it working you know, on a on a team that started off small and ended up really big. So, yeah. you know, even sort of the argument that, oh, well, it only works for this type of team. Well, that sort of wasn't my experience either. Yeah. So, so, yes, I am biased because I'm arrogantly saying this is the right way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, no, I mean, the reason that, you know, like in this episode, I seem to be sort of clarifying, clarifying my thoughts live because I do sometimes struggle why things that I think are, I mean, not obvious, but the benefits are obvious, so let's keep trying until we get there, seem to be so hard to get across. 
So I'm sort of trying to work out all the time, well, what is the bit that I've got that's missing? And, you know, like recently I thought it might be pair programming. Maybe that's the bit that's missing. Now, you know, maybe it's just, it's all of it, mm-hmm. you know. In fact, I keep threatening to start a book club where I buy everyone a copy of the XP book and then we just go through it week on week and just right. talk about it. Yeah, maybe yeah. I should, you know, stop talking about that and do that, Yeah, you know, and just say, we're now an XP team. Mm-hmm. But like you said, can you demand that? Because then it's just, well, Greg says we've got to do XP. <laughs> yeah. Is that like just as bad? <laughs> you know, I don't want you to do it. <laughs> I want you to want to do it. <laughs> well, so I think TDD um, implementation is still <laughs> as clear as mud. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I think we're both convinced that it's what you have to do, and I think uh, if uh, if people were to really invest time in it, they would also come to the same conclusion. I think it'd be hard not to. Yes. And yeah. I mean, I think I think you're closer to it than me. So, although I do believe it's what you should do, I'm um, having been distanced from sort of day-to-day development for long enough I, I struggle with the the sort of the um, convincing yeah um, but I do agree that we should well I think it's know. fair to say that almost every day that I write tests I will find some bug that I didn't expect that if I didn't have a test I would have pushed right um, and that's what then makes me nervous about any code changes <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I make because I've seen with my own eyes like what uh, subtle weird errors can occur um, when you're not when you're not thinking about it and trying to track those down later as well would also be a real pain when when it's out in production and you all you know is that some value is wrong or something's got a null pointer Mm. tracking that down is is really quite difficult Um, so yeah as you might guess I'm 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 sold you know what I'm what I'm struggle with is if it's so obvious that this is the right thing to do why is it so difficult uh to to get people to to do it and i think there is a there is a high um uh, inertia that you have to get over yeah, at, at yeah you've got you've start. got to be committed to it haven't you yeah. i think i think that's probably what we were saying is if you're going to do it you've got to really go for it and there are other, you know, there's yeah. probably other ways you can help go for it. Um, but if you're just sort of like, ah, oh, no, nah, not really into this, yeah. then it probably won't. And won't you, t- hit. you you touched on what I think is actually the the most pertinent point, which is that when push comes to shove, it's tests that go out the window. Yeah, when yeah, you're quite, short, when yeah. you're short on yeah, time yeah. and you just got to deliver, it's the one thing that goes yeah. out. With, you know, which is, um, uh, in my book, very counterproductive. Yeah. Um, but also in a, in a short-term view, it's hard to argue against. Well, yes, quite, yeah. That's, yes, yeah. it will take us longer to write the stuff if we write, if we write tests. Yeah. And when somebody says that, and then, you know, you've got to be the person that says, no, yeah. <laughs> we're going to take longer. That's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, so. Um, yeah. So you also need to be an arsehole. <laughs> well... <laughs> And it's just a good be job. Strong-minded because... <laughs> and say no. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd be interested. Um, uh, given that we've got a bit of 
audience uh, participation recently. I'd be interested if anybody out there would like to tweet us um, with an alternative view, you know, if they're very strongly against TDD, because as we've described, you've got someone like Mark who's very strongly for it. Um, and then the people in the middle that are sort of like, well, I'll give it a try, but if it doesn't work, I'll drop it. But there must be people who are like adamant. We're not, you know. So yeah. if you're out there and you're totally against TDD, <laughs> give us a shout <laughs> at, at BitPicking on Twitter. Um, and then um, we'll do a follow up. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Thanks, Greg. Till next time. Bye. Bye. this but